Welcome to Japan by River Cruise with your hosts Ali and Bobby. I'm Bobby Judo. I'm calling in from Japan. And I'm Ali Horn, calling in from the UK. On today's Japan by River Cruise, we'll be discussing moral lines in the sand in the Japanese entertainment industry and what happens when you cross them. And as always, we're going to take an in-depth look at the world of Japanese river cruises, including this week's river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, this week is a cash-only singles cruise that goes all the way through the heart of Hokkaido that's caused an unlikely dispute between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans. More on that later. Ah, speaking of cash only, we're going to introduce you to five easy ways to spot a Japanese river cruise scam, as well as three easier ways to run one. But first, Soap Talk. Yes, it's Soap Talk time. Bobby, why do we call it Soap Talk? We call it Soap Talk because your Japanese pronunciation needs work. What do I say? You say soap talk. You say sekkenbanashi. What should I be saying? Sekkenbanashi. Sounds the same to me. Bobby, <sighs> last week yep. we spent a total of 70 minutes uh, talking about me, which in 17 minutes view, and 29 seconds. Uh, you uh, have complained about this and have said that we need to spend an equivalent amount of time talking about you, while also simultaneously saying that we spent too long talking about me, having your, both your cake and eating it. So please could you talk about yourself for a total of between seven and eight minutes. Uh, we, we spoke about briefly what I was doing in Japan. Can you summarize uh, in a sentence what you do in Japan? It took you two minutes to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Sound of my own voice. Uh, nice. I am a TV personality. Uh, I started off as a, a YouTuber back before YouTuber was a word in Japan. I started in 2009. I've been in Japan for a total of uh, 13 years now, just into my 14th year. But uh, I started as an English teacher uh, with the JET program here, and then I started YouTubing. I got onto local TV, worked up to local TV in the neighboring prefecture as well, and now do occasional uh, national jobs. Uh, the term is Tarento, and it took me a long time to feel comfortable calling myself uh, Tarento. The standard joke being, you know, in Japan, a TV personality is called the talent, even though they don't have don't any. Have a talent. Um, right. Yeah. I, I actually, I mistakenly thought this word was unique to Japan, you know, because when I was introduced as a Tarento, I thought, oh, this must be just a, a weird use of English that they've adopted. But actually, it makes me abroad. so sad that you were introduced as a talento. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it is. It's used abroad. I mean, like, wh who's going to be the talent? You know, at the yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, right. What's interesting about you is is that it wasn't like in the U.S. you were a musical theater kid who was destined for fame and fortune. You seem to have found this. Uh, uh, <laughs> don't look at me as if to say. What do you mean, one what destined for fame and no, fortune? I'm destined for huge things. How dare you? No, uh, uh, no. I've always, I've always enjoyed the spotlight. I've always enjoyed attention. I was, I wasn't in drama. I wasn't uh, in, in journalism or anything like that. But uh, I, I think I found out as a foreigner in Japan, you get so much attention, and I found out that that was kind of my thing. I liked right. it. Um, Have you ever seen the, so, the comic book Charisma Man? Uh, I think I've seen a web comic. Yeah, the, 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 I think that's it. There's a webcomic called Charisma Man, which is like a, a guy that's a, a loser in his in the US, but but uh, comes to Japan and has like the look that kind of really appeals to the paradigm of of kind of Western beauty standards. 
And I'm not for one moment suggesting that you were a loser back in the United States. Uh, that's for other people to suggest. Um, but what I what I am going to suggest is <laughs> <laughs> what I am going to suggest is you do have a uh, an archetypally good-looking face. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I do get uh, uh, comments from Japanese people saying that I am what they expect an American to look at. Um, I've been called by more than one person on more than one occasion uh, the Disney Prince. Goodness me. Yeah. Um, so I parlayed that. I figured out that that you know attention uh, is my drug and that I can get a lot of it in Japan. Um, but I got on the TV and I've been on TV now for 10 years. I've done things like I still do a weekly cooking show for a local uh, Joho Bangumi, a local like uh, evening news show. I do I did the soccer news for a morning show for five years, and then I transitioned into like a travel segment that I do for them once a week. I do a handful of jobs, but first three years I, I was an English teacher. Then for a couple of years I did part time jobs on the side while I tried to get into TV. And for the last six to seven years I've been doing. TV full-time and have gotten, I'm not like nationally famous, uh, but I've been on some of the most famous uh, Japanese TV shows as myself, not as like, you know, a, a token foreigner or a token foreigner even, um, but as as a TV personality. Right. Um, and, and what's what's interesting in, in Japan is, I mean, we, we, we like to think, like people deride people like the Kardashians for just kind of being... Uh, fame, famous for fame's sake, right? Right. You know, like right. they just appear on things. But Japan has been doing this for decades, right? Having someone who's just like professionally on TV, right? And I, I suppose you you found a niche through your cooking and also through kind of talking about international issues. But you, you know, when you're on these shows, you are kind of a, a figure in your own right, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, when you first start out, it really is kind of just like they expect a foreigner to be there for foreignness and and just for the sake of of having something that seems international. So you don't actually have to speak the language. You don't actually have to do the job. Um, and it took me a long time to get to to the stage where I had a character, a brand that wasn't just dependent upon me not being Japanese. It, to, to be able to show that I could do the job as well as or better than a Japanese reporter could do it and to create a demand for that. Because so many times you walk in and, and you go, okay, well, I can do this job really well if you just let me. And they're like, no, we just need someone to say, wow. Which when your competition is anyone with a foreign face who can say, wow, you can't really raise your rates. You can't, you can't really step up in the industry. Um, so locally building, you know, a brand as a TV personality has taken a really long time. And, but that's not to say that there aren't still uh, TV producers that will, just completely not get this right and it must be so frustrating i i, uh, I certainly had this you know that like yeah. you think that you've built a certain amount of credibility right and you've got a show reel that shows you can do you know real reporting and real interviews in japanese and then all, all of a sudden they just come out with absolute nonsense about what they expect you to be as an american yeah. well i think the funniest thing and the epitome of of kind of like that treatment for me is i did this i did this like two-day shoot with a director that we did this long, in-depth uh, look at a certain area of Japan that was uh, for an English, an English audience in Singapore, and 
it was a really high level production. We did a really good job. We produced something really, really great. And then uh, a couple of months later, I was the MC at a Halloween party. And this director showed up for a local news channel to do the story on the Halloween party. And he sees me and he goes, oh, I know this guy. I know he can speak. I know he'll give me good sound bites. I know he'll give me good content. Let's interview him. And it wasn't a paying thing. It was they were there to do a news story. And they said, would you help us out? So in the middle of my job, I took 20 minutes to do an interview for them. Uh, and then I watched the news segment that was produced the next day and they used like a two second clip of me going, Halloween is fun. And they credited <laughs> me as American. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It didn't say Bobby Judo. It didn't say like even MC of the party. My credit was America Jean, which just is like American guy. Brilliant. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's your, what's your future in the, in the industry? You know, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, Locally, I, I've got like a stable, uh, I've got five or six good gigs that are regular that I can make a living off of. Um, but I hope that, you know, with the Olympics coming up, I can get a handful of national jobs a year to continue to raise my profile because that lets you sustain the career locally long term. I'm happy to be local. Uh, I don't want to be the Atsukiri Jason anymore. Uh, I don't want to be the Dave Spector. And, and this is, I think, will will be a really good lead into uh, the news story that I want to talk about today because we are going to talk about like what you can and can't do on TV, what you do and do not want to do as a celebrity or as a famous person and where you draw those moral lines and what happens when you cross them. So let's stop Soap Talk here and... Time for the news. Bobby, what's the story this week? 11 Japanese comedians suspended for appearing at, quote, anti-social organization party. Um, you know, in, in Japan, uh, especially in the comedy world, uh, agencies run pretty much everything. There are no, there are no like really freelance successful Japanese comedians and very few in the talent industry overall. But, um, Yoshimoto is one of the two major, major, uh, long-standing Japanese talent agencies, and they had 11 of their performers get busted for performing what's called yami egyo, which is uh, you, you um, it's basically egyo, doing work off, yeah, off the book, doing, yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, yami and, means darkness, right? So they did not go through their agency, and they got paid to appear at an appearance fee, basically at a party for an anti-social organization and apparently these payments can run up to like 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 ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars for putting in an appearance easily and just to be clear i mean i've not had that much experience but i spoke to somebody from nabe pro which is kind of yoshimoto's rival They're, they're the two big agents and they said that that their standard fee um irrespective of whether you get the work yourself or it comes from them uh is 70 percent. they take 70 percent um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're saying, yeah, any work that you get through a major agency, somebody told you that the agency's cut was 70%. Someone from the agent said that that's their, that's their arrangement for, uh, yeah. um, so I think maybe they, they negotiate to rip me off. <laughs> 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 I think they negotiate different contracts for different people, but I've heard that in like the big agencies, one of the reasons they justify taking such a big cut is because they raise you. They scout you, they train you, they sometimes house you, sometimes feed you, and they raise you. And there's this very huge culture around um, 
the senpai kohai, the senior junior relationship where yeah, there is a, there is mentorship and they have like training academies and you know and also like sure your that... seniors are obligated to buy you meals, right? That's how that's how you eat and drink for your first little while. Uh, maybe not entirely, but they have this structure, and so they say we put all of this money, all this capital into developing you. So now when you start getting jobs, we take the lion's share. Um, but yeah, so the idea that they would go they would book something and go through without clearing it with their agency. Their agency doesn't get a cut and they walk away with just a fat cash payment for showing up to a party um, is, yeah. is a big deal. But it, it seems that this agency is trying to have their cake and eat it because they're on the one hand, they're saying you shouldn't have done this because it's for a bad organization. But also it's for an anti-social group. Do you know what an anti-social group is? Um... I imagine this is a poorly translated euphemism. I imagine the Japanese too is a euphemism. It will be something like, um, pro probably Yakuza. Yes, it is a crime syndicate. They are antisocial, which like strikes me as weird because they are a society. Um, yeah, right. But but yeah. you know, it's like it's six of one and half a dozen of the other because these talent agencies are basically mafia. <laughs> they've, got, they've got a monopoly on these on these talents. Uh, as somebody who is in a major talent agency, I will uh, I will decline to comment on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, they can. There's a lot of crossover. Um, literally, uh, sometimes the major talent agencies have have uh, higher ups that there are a lot of crossover, but whenever it comes out into the light, it's a big thing. And the Japanese for antisocial organization is Hishakai Soshiki. Hishakai Soshiki, which is antisocial organization. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it is like a, like a euphemism. It's calling like, it's like calling like a serial arsonist, like a, like a warmth enthusiast. So what this clearly was right is like this bloke, obviously like knew someone who knew someone they said hey look if we just bung you ten thousand dollars each will you turn up at this party well this is a huge tradition like this has been going on for for years and years and years and i think this time the fact that it came out into the public uh at a time when there's there's uh it's easier for you to have like a social media backlash and also the fact that they hadn't run it through their agency kind of like their agency didn't feel the need to be like we're gonna sweep this under the rug and this is just me speculating, but but they had the agency they gotten a cut, well. I'm sure this wouldn't be as featured in the media as well, it is. Well, this is exactly it. That according to the article which I've read, uh, they originally denied that they, they received any money, but then the agency were like, we're going to investigate this. And then the agency, uh, once they found that they had received money, then went even harder on them. Uh, so yeah. that's obviously what this is about. And these agencies, they are complete rackets. And not only do they manage the talent, but they'll also be producing the major TV shows. They'll be managing the major tours. They'll be managing the venues that these tours happen in, right? So sometimes, like, you know, the the the, the, the big downtown comedy theater is only, only has comics from one agency. Right, they right. Are, they are complete rackets. I suppose the difficulty with performing in front of a Yakuza audience is that when they applaud, it only sounds 80% as loud. Why is that? Don't ask why. It's just get the joke. Oh, because they the amputated joke. their fingers. Oh, it's a, it's a funny joke. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, I like Bobby. That. I like and that so, you never, I, you never feel hesitant to go for that super low hanging fruit. Uh, no, uh, which is ironic considering uh, you also make fun of my weight. So uh, on the one hand, I'm uh, taking fruit. On the other hand, clearly not eating it. Wonder what I'm doing with it. 
Bobby, have you had uh, any? <laughs> have you had any running? Have you not like read any? Like you, you know, you can get fat from eating fruit, right? You know, fruit is like oh, there's a lot of sugar in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, ever? taken i suppose you do you have done a lot of freelance work right have you ever had like a run-in with an agency where your agent said do this and you've said do one ah so so i've been in and out of agencies i've done a lot of work like they're i think at this point i've been freelance for longer i rejoined kind of a national major agency last december but for for most of my career i've managed it myself um when I was in a national agency, I was running my Kyushu stuff on my own. And then when they got me national work, uh, one agency would kick me jobs and then run it through that agency. Uh, they insisted that I take an audition to play uh, a Navy rapist. Um, I, I, I got an audition for a role that was muscular Navy rapist number two. And when they told me, they told me just the, uh, the role that I'd be auditioning for. And I said, no. And they said, well, we want you to take it um, because you've never. Yeah. Is a Navy rapist like a um, a rogue smurf? Like a what? A rogue smurf. No. Oh. <laughs> What's like a rogue? <laughs> oh, right, right. Because of the color. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I didn't listen to a word you said. I, ju- <laughs> I was just you trying were just to process that gag. A Navy rapist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but okay, we, we can, I think we could jump to the conclusion of this story because I don't think we need to. I don't th- think you need to explain that there was a um, there was a fight between you and the agency because you did take that job. I ultimately took. The, so I did the audition, um, which they talked me into because it would be good experience and the casting director would remember you for another role in the future. And I, I figured if I'm gonna if I'm gonna audition, I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> which like. I think just I have a generally rapey vibe, so I was kind of worried that you'd walk so into is that, the. Is, is that what happened then? <laughs> in the audition. Yeah, yeah, I walked in and they took one look at me and they were like, "Yes, this is, this is who we imagined when we wrote this role." Um, but no, they they when I got it, I was like, my daughters had literally just been born, um, so I was like, I don't, I don't. I'm thinking about how how you know when they get older, I don't want them to watch this. I was thinking about how it creates the image of foreigners in Japan, how it creates the image of Americans in Japan. Uh, and there were a lot of reasons that I didn't want to do it. Um, and they, they kept saying, well, you know, it's this famous director and it's going to be this huge, you know, award winning drama. And, and, you know, the actress that you will be acting on um is is so and so and she's so famous and i I kept saying no 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 i don't want to do it i don't want to do it so then they said the uh the main the main character in this movie is going to be ken watanabe and i went that's batman's friend (laughs) pretty and so you uh did you meet him no no we were in totally different uh shooting locations (laughs) and never got to meet him um but then the other thing is and this guy this is one of those things that i don't know how okay it is to tell this story but but one of the other justifications was um that it was based on real events, that it was based on not one incident, but like it was a, com- a composite of a series of incidences in Okinawa where uh, people stationed at the American naval base there were uh, sexually assaulting locals. And there were a handful of those incidences that they said, we're going to compile them and make a fictionalized version to use in this story. 
And so I kept kind of trying to tell myself that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't me who was creating, you know, that negative image and, but I'd go back and forth and go, you know, I'm, I'm helping to further it, but, but it's based on truth. And then after shooting wrapped, there were two more incidents in, in Okinawa where two separate people stationed at the naval base or one was an ex uh, uh, sailor there um, sexually assaulted Japanese women. And, and I kind of went, you know what, you know, it's not, it's, I'm not a piece of shit for taking this job. You know, I'm a piece of shit because somebody got sexually assaulted and I went, well, I feel better about myself. Yeah. And yeah. So, but that, that is a somewhat of a moral quandary though, isn't it? That, but very much so. Yeah. That people from your country, committed sexual assault you um you you wouldn't have got this work did you uh, I, I remember going to watch it in the cinema with you it, it wasn't even it, it wasn't even like you know you're not even that identifiable right? like yeah you, no there's, no there's yeah a couple of scenes where like if you know you it's like oh yeah that's bobby he's about to do something nasty but yeah. you know you could yeah, probably no, I, like I, i'm not the focus of the scene but but the other thing is like the idea that you acted it that, well though i but be- i believed it appreciated it was not a fun <laughs> thing to act it was it was not good um but but the other big issue that's kind of a moral issue that that i think would affect me more in the future if i had another similar opportunity is that um it's it's a woman being raped to being used as a plot point it, it like you could have done something else to further the story and that's a big problem in entertainment these days is is like to, to give a woman backstory, to give a character motivation. What do we do? How do we write it? And you, you just throw in a rape scene. Um, yeah. So, so that would be one thing that I would, you don't know about this? No, no, I don't. And I just, I'm just just thinking that the thing that we discussed before we started uh, recording this week was we should, we can make this podcast lighter. Yeah. Lighter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Goodness me. And, And so is that, and and presumably, right? That's that's as a result of having an all male writing team. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's bad. Sometimes what I about, wonder whether yeah th- whether these agencies they put you forward for roles which benefit the agent rather than you specifically. So I, I can definitely think of some examples where I was asked to do work for free on the basis mm. that it would build good relations with the station. And what that meant was it's not it's not the good relations aren't vis a vis me, right? It's good relations between the agency right. and the station right, were right, like right. ah yeah they've they've sent us a few foreigners to uh, you know do whatever it is they wanted me to, to to do or say well i don't have any experience with the industry in in the west um but in japan you know i what i see on tv or what i what i have seen in entertainment i always kind of thought that an agent's job is to be um the the representative for the talent and in japan it's very much you know it's their job to please the client and they will sacrifice the talent if it means pleasing the client but you were you were a child actor weren't you yeah briefly i did i did it for a couple of years but and um there i suppose um i suppose my agent did have my back and, and they definitely they put me up for stuff which they knew i wouldn't be qualified for but because it would be a good experience they wanted me to get to know the industry but certainly i mean look i I was i was it was this was between the ages of kind of i don't know 12 13 and 15 16 so um i I don't suppose i was that exposed to the reality of of the the uk industry but um one thing i do think 
uh, marks the Japanese industry out is they do have this. I mean, it's true of all of Japanese society, right? It's very long term thinking, and it, yeah. it is to do with kind of long relationship building. And I think because so many people go into the talent agency without expecting it to be a long term thing, right? You know, it's, they they want a, a flutter of fame or, or they want to scratch their. Oh age. yeah. Foreigners, I do, I do especially, think... you know, they want to go home and say, "I, I modeled in Japan," or you know, yeah, "I was right. on TV or... in Japan," or exactly. I would, I had a career in Japan, and now I'm going to build an Edinburgh Fringe show around it. I know, I and mean, that's and that is absolutely pathetic. It's uh, sad. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but so, so I do, I do think that you know, like where the long term relationships are built is between the agency and the various production companies, right? And the various right. production companies will. What often happens, right? is the agency will say, sorry, the production company will say to the agency, we're going to just pay you a retainer, like a fee, to fill the casting for this role. So often, it's not even the production companies that do the casting, it's the agency. They just trust the agent to to fill that spot with an appropriate right, right. person. And, uh, and that's so, one of yeah. the... The big problems with um, with acting here is that you know agencies will say you know we have the clout we have the upper hand in this in this arrangement so we are taking responsibility for filling this role and we're going to put this young up and coming kid who we who we want to build into the next star into this role that they're not qualified for and so you remember we talked about the jitsu ryokuha there's another uh, yes. There's another one that's uh, engiha. So in Japan, you can call somebody an engiha actor, which means an actor who comes from a background of acting. <laughs> like, like <that's, laughs> they're they're an acting actor. <laughs> that's the that's actual funny. term for it. Which which means that the assumption is that there are other actors out there who are non-acting actors. Well, actually, but, but an, an acting actor, an acting actor sounds like a misnomer because an acting actor sounds like someone standing in for the actual actor. <laughs> what do you think? Oh. <laughs> like, he's in charge of the acting for today, but he's not the real actor. He's the acting actor. <laughs> and well, it's it is funny, isn't it? And obviously, you know where the where the money is made, right? It does appear to be that. Um, I think they call it the blockbuster economy, don't they, right? That, like, a, a talent will join an agency knowing that for the first however many years of their career, they're basically, like, living below the breadline. Like, you know, I, right. I definitely know... You introduced me to someone who you work with, and I probably shouldn't give too many details away, but he uh, is a member of a very, very major agency, and he was complaining that he might not even be able to make his $200 a month rent, Oh right, yeah, Despite no, uh... Yeah, for for the younger and and not and then this is a guy who's got a handful of regular TV jobs uh, with his his uh, manzai combi partner, uh, his the guy the guy that he does uh, stand up with, guy that he does comedy with. Um, but they work almost every day, and I think he said they made something like their take home pay was like seventeen hundred dollars, like seventeen mon for the month on a good month, and that's it's for somebody, isn't it? Yeah. So what do we make of this story then? Who are the real bad guys? Just some yakuza that want to be entertained? Or so the yak... Go on. I, I don't think they were even entertained. I don't know if like the comedians performed. I think it was just an appearance fee. Ah, comedians are always performing, Bobby. Ah, they're hobnobbing. They're hobnobbing because, you know, these people wanted to say we have these famous people at our party and then they took compensation for it and then the agencies didn't get cut. And now they're they're suspending them and like they have to uh, replace the TV programs, the entire TV programs that these people are in 
Um, so it's going to have huge ripples throughout the industry. Yeah, but it's not though, is it? Because they're going to be replacing them with other people from the same agency. So Yoshimoto are not losing any money from this whatsoever. They're just making an example. I don't know if we have time for this, but it will have huge ripples. Do you remember I was on a major TV show that, that yes, I do. did not and get renewed because yes, one of the major moron. talents on it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. tell this story. So one of my bigger jobs was I was booked on a national show um, that was supposed to run for two years. And then halfway through the first year, one of the main MCs, who was also a comedian in this agency, um, uh, committed a hit and run and got caught for it. And he's since bounced back and then like his career is doing okay. But, but in the, in the moment, every TV show that he was on got, had to be drastically restructured, re-edited or canceled. Um, it was coming up on the holidays. So he was in like a bunch of Christmas specials that they just had to kind of like edit him out, even in like these huge group shots. And, uh, <laughs> all of his commercials got pulled, uh, so much money the agency had to pay so much money back uh to to people who had contracted him um and the show that i was on which was supposed to run for two years uh got canceled halfway through and we had to do like the the last half of the remaining episodes without him uh so yeah it it really does like like his career might bounce back the japanese agency itself will not suffer in the long run but there are a lot of people along the way who get screwed and are not bitter about it at all in case anyone in the industry is listening to this we're totally cool with it we're cool with it (laughs) uh, my one brushing with something similar was i was originally brought in to do some writing or i think they called it script consulting for an advert, right? Because they were, they said they, they wanted to check that it was going to be funny yeah. Yeah, to an yeah. international audience. And then I went in, and then I I told them that it, I didn't think it was funny, but I gave yeah. them some funny ideas. And then then they cast me in it, right? And yeah. uh, uh, we auditioned like, for this together. And yeah, right. I lost and this was it. Like, yeah, to me. And I didn't regret I'm... losing it because it wasn't funny. And then they gave it to you and let you rewrite the entire script. And I exactly. It, and then you... then I brought you in, right? Then I said, listen, if I'm going to rewrite this script, this also then needs to be retranslated to Japanese so the crew gets it. And then yeah. you were brought back in. Anyway, this was probably like the the, the biggest opportunity I'd ever had, right? Because I was for the first time kind of part of the creative process, and they seemed yeah. to be taking me seriously. And the budget was huge, right? They had these ideas of like that you know we literally had were filming things like explosions you know we had um stunt doubles um they were, there was a, Wasn't scene a where character a, ro- a robot yeah yeah we had an actual robot um which um you know we would do things like uh like i would go to the onsen with the robot and then then we, we would do the seat and i would i would start walking out of frame and the robot yeah. would walk out of frame too and then just fall straight, <laughs> straight into the water with a splash <laughs> Um, and then you know we did we did this like we had this big studio which we created like a, a like a fake kind of game show and then we'd film these scenes where it finished and like, like there was you know there was so much I was so proud because I didn't I didn't achieve exactly what I wanted um, but I definitely well, felt I remember seeing the script and I remember seeing clips that you showed me and it was hilarious it was yeah. really funny oh goodness and and like there was such there was such high production values I remember. I managed to um to do this thing where like we were supposed to be talking about the meat and and we did like this extreme close up of me almost running running down the street um 
saying the word meat with complete sincerity and then out of nowhere you can't you don't realize i'm holding a fork out of nowhere i just bring a fork up and you can see the meat just kind of loosely dangling from this fork and then we had like they had this crane to it was like it was just ridiculous right it was it It was was very surreal it was like that eric andre brand of like just total random comedy Right, but it was really it was really funny, and we had stuff. You know, we literally had like explosions and uh, parachuting. So we we made the, we made the robot go paragliding. Right, so we had to. There was a stunt double that had to dress up as a robot to go paragliding, um, and. Oh, it was the whole thing was anyway. The, the The conclusion is, I was so proud to have you know managed to go from being brought in to essentially a rubbish script to then managing to worm my way into being in it. Yeah, and I had a really nice shoot. But because the um, the agency that was that the agency that was kind of producing it, so the agency which subcontracted to the agency which um, you know which I was involved with, because they went through a scandal because um, one of their employees um, unfortunately killed themselves through overwork, um, they basically said, "Well, we're just going to kind of protect our client, uh, like we're going to protect our relationship with the agency above." And they don't want to be associated with anything funny at the moment. So we've just scrapped it. They scrapped the uh, entire project. They, yeah, they yeah. literally, none of that. And I even said, I was like, can I at least get a copy of the footage? And they went, we, we, we've literally, we're just pretending it never happened. Yeah. Which is like, seems to me like such an overreaction. But the reason they did it, right, was purely because they had this relationship with, uh, I can say the name of the agency, Dentsu, right? Yeah. So this yeah. smaller production company had a, a relationship with Dentsu. Dentsu got cold feet. And they and they just they just said fine fine we'll do what you want because for them that longer term relationship was more important than their their one off relationship with me or with their client and then in the end I think you got the job anyway because they did something really yeah, low yeah. budget I just wanted yeah. to say you know like we wanted to we wanted to keep this light and again we've told the story that involves like somebody killing themselves um, <laughs> but to put to put a positive spin on it they ended up having to do a last minute total reshoot with a totally different project which. I booked uh, and it came out okay. And so, you know, somebody, yeah, somebody killed themselves, but hey, I felt better about myself. (laughs) 